Now that the college football season has ended, we've rebranded our Ringer University podcast feed to Through the Ringer. This is your go-to place for our weekly wrap-ups of Ringer podcast titled This Week in Ringer Culture and This Week in Ringer Sports. It's also where you can hear some of our special projects, one-off stories, and our new shows we're working on behind the scenes. So if you want to hear all of our best culture and sports podcast moments and some of our special projects, subscribe to Through the Ringer on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Ringer NFL show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Kevin Clark, joined to my left by Robert Mays. Robert, it's part two of our Super Bowl preview from Minnesota. It's not getting any warmer. It was a it's long ser- day today. It's not getting any warmer. Um, I lost my mu- my mouse here. I mean, it's just there's a lot of stuff happening, buddy. Your there's eyes a lot are bloodshot. My legs don't work. This is what we are do. my eyes bloodshot. Yeah, this is what we do for content. I can't. Believe- How terrible do I look? I didn't look. We both look well. pretty terrible. Yeah, uh, we it's, both. Uh, so so it, it, these are long days. Um, the the Eagles start talking, giving interviews about ten in the morning. Yep. The Patriots stop about six p.m. Something like that. And so we just have to run around like chickens with our heads cut off around the mall trying to get like Willie McGinnis to say something about Bill Belichick. Yeah, it's fun, though. I really oh, no, like no, no, today. No, no. I'm not complaining. I'm just giving the, the this is what we do. Yeah, I really like today. I loved you, it. Just kind of like a little bit behind the curtain. I mean, we have these days, Wednesday, Thursday, they kind of put every player at a table. You can see me staring longingly at Jason Kelsey on my Twitter it's fun. People are very. Have you seen the people who are mad at us for not including pictures of us interviewing Eagles? That's it. Funny. I, I, I got some right hashtag homers. So you get. I wrote a can, whole story about the Eagles on Wednesday. You can have some really cool conversations. I did yeah. have some really cool conversations. Yep. Uh, I'm writing a story for the Ringer.com tomorrow about just kind of the culture in Philadelphia and how they've acclimated some of their newer players. Um, just the way they've built that that team. And I think having those conversations was interesting. I mean, Zach Ertz both and Jason Kelsey just had some fascinating stuff to say. And it I like this week, even though it's their long days, just because it's endless football conversation. That's it. I, I and, mean, and that's my favorite part. There are so few instances, Robert, specifically with assistant coaches, where you can just sit down with them and talk football. 100%. Because they're there for an hour. And you and I know in this business, the listener may not, most you get, unless it's a super duper story and they're super duper access, most you get maybe 30 minutes with the particular coach. Um, I mean, there, there's certain situations where you might get more, but with the position coach, you don't get to just sit there and ask them whatever you want. There are teams that don't even give their position coaches availability. I mean, I one mean, of them is if, well, I mean, actually it might be both of them. The Patriots, you can't talk to these guys during the season. This is like one of the chances to do so. And I had a fascinating conversation with the Eagles linebackers coach the other day. I mean, yeah. just about the Patriots and yeah. things like that. I mean, it's there's so many just nuts and bolts football conversations. And I think that in a way, those talks kind of prepare us for being ready for this game. And not only that, I mean, just one very quick thing. I remember last year talking to Matt LaFleur about Matt Ryan and his progression. And Matt LaFleur, not, he was the quarterback's coach or was he the assistant quarterback's coach for the Falcons? I think he was, quarterback's a, he was coach. quarterback's coach. Okay, full yeah. quarterback's coach. But a complete afterthought on that staff because Kyle Shanahan was yes. the, the, the BL end all. And then he did the same thing this year. Right. He went to LA where he was right. the offensive coordinator. It was the afterthought because well, of Sean McVay. Now, but now he's the Tennessee offensive coordinator. Yes, he is. So I'm saying that it's so, it is an opportunity to get to talk to these guys because, you know, one of the things, I don't know if you saw Jenny Varenta's story about Belichick and Saban. But 
Saban basically made the comment, I'm going to speak to the media because I don't want to be the defensive coordinator at the Cleveland Browns anymore. Rex Ryan, I don't know if he's ever said this publicly, but I know privately, one of his big things was he wanted assistants to talk because that's how they became head coaches. Sure. People, I'm, we, you and I, I'm not going to say we have any influence, but there are, there are a lot of media members and then they go back to the market and they say, or, or it's us or someone says it on a podcast or they, they say, Hey, you know, we were super impressed by this, you know, linebackers coach. And then some GM says, Hey, that's an interesting name. And that's how it happens. And if you think it doesn't, it, the NFL is very, very small and stuff like that happens all the time. Uh, but Buddy Ryan was hired for the first time ever because uh, the owner of the then Eagles, the then owner of the Eagles read about him in the New York Times. Like, that's yeah. how this works. It's really fun. It's a great week. And uh, let's get into it. Let's dig into the game. We're here now. This is our Super Bowl preview. I mean, it, it's kind of hard to believe that, you know, you were sitting in my apartment about six months ago recording our preseason podcast. And I can't believe I went in your apartment either. I know. Yeah, it's hard it's to believe. Shocking. And now we're here. So let's do it, buddy. So. We're going to give you our full preview of Super Bowl 52 today. And Danny Kelly, Danner, the Dark Knight, will be here with his X-Factors and some fun prop bets for us. And of course, we will give you our picks for the big game. So let's get going. I'm ready. Let's start with the most important players in the field, the quarterbacks. This is obviously the most intriguing from a just a team building standpoint, the most intriguing matchup I can remember in recent years because it's the greatest quarterback of all time against a backup who... Did not certainly look like starting material in December. He has took over for an MVP candidate on December 3rd. He did not look particularly good through the month of December. And now I don't know if we have, we don't know what to expect from him on Sunday. No. Somewhere uh, in the middle between the, between what we saw in late December and what we saw in the NFC championship game where he looked like Tom Brady. I was watching, I was going through Alshon Jeffrey's stats for the sure. season earlier today. And he only had about 740 total yard, receiving yards in the year. And I was like, that seems low. I mean, you feel like he had a better year than yep. that. He was probably up around you know, 900 at the very least. And then I looked at his numbers and I forgot that he had a zero catch, zero yards game against the Raiders when Nick Foles was absolute trash. And then he had one catch the game before that. I mean, you forget just how hapless that offense was in the first couple games after the Giants game, which was Foles' first start. They were actively bad. And then he was fine against the Falcons. I think you and I had this conversation a little bit earlier today. That game was efficiency. It was an efficient game. They really put him in a lot of good spots, a ton of RPO throws. He did what he had to do. And then he burned the world down against the Vikings. So figuring out where he kind of falls on that spectrum is not necessarily easy. What I do know is this is a coaching staff that I firmly believe in that's going to give him every single chance. Yep. So like you said, this is a team building conversation. The Eagles are the best roster in football. I don't think that that is not a controversial statement at this point. They have very few weaknesses. Their two best players are hurt, and they still made the Super Bowl. So I just think right now it's the Eagles roster against how great Tom Brady is. The Patriots have excellent players, but I still think that overall that's the biggest difference here. So I had a couple of discussions on Wednesday morning that I found illuminating. Uh, John Filippo, the quarterback's coach, yep. who is, I want everyone, I don't recommend a lot of prestige television. John Filippo's YouTube videos on the Eagles channel where he talks about passing, that's prestige television to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's up there with like Breaking Bad. I mean, it's sure. awesome. Yeah, It is awesome. And I want everyone to go look at it because I learned a lot about football. 
I expanded on that in conversation with him today, and I realized how impressive what Nick Foles is doing is. Okay, mm-hmm. um, I, I, obviously we've gone through this a million times. And the numbers he put up in the NFC Championship game are not fluke numbers. Okay, but the types of throws he has to make in that offense, what what um, what the offense calls faith throws, yep. which is basically throwing to a spot in the field where nothing like looks like it's going to happen, and then those guys just get open. You have to be so exact in that offense. And the fact that they, you know, look, they're doing a little quicker passes. The RPO game helps, but Foles is making throws. There's a couple of things I found interesting. Um, you know, they know where to throw the ball. One thing, you know, uh, they talked about was how the, the back of the end zone and the red zone. It, efficiency is so important in the red zone that they like to throw in the back of the end zone because it's the least defended part of the field. Okay. And it's really hard to make those throws in the back there, but Foles is able to do it. And so, Every assistant coach I talked to today was talking about, you know, no one realizes how little involvement a guy like Foles gets with the first team offense until there's a, there's a uh, injury. There's zero, zero snaps. And so the idea that Foles was able to come in and get in sync with that offense that quickly is a minor football miracle. What's well, football's four weeks? Yeah, I mean, and that's what you you know your training camp is about that long. He missed training camp, by the way. So I mean, I'm just Foles, saying. No, no, I'm just saying Foles missed training camp. I mean, it was what he has been able to do is incredible. You go in and it's it's about four weeks. You kind of get used to the guys you're playing with, and I think that now you're seeing a little bit more familiarity overall. Yep. And the faith throws is such an interesting concept because the Patriots do a lot of that as well. Sure. Brady is so good. I have at, a hell of a lot more faith in Tom Brady than Nick Foles. Brady does a ton of that. They have the, a ton of plays, especially in play action. Sure. And the Foles does a lot of that as well in the RPO game where you're trying to vacate areas of the field and place the ball in those areas of the sure. field. Both these quarterbacks, I mean, that's a huge part of their offense. I mean, Brady's done it forever, but that's really what they've given Foles. I mean, the RPO game is, we say it all the time. It's come up a lot with the Eagles as it should. And they ran more than any other team in the league. He was about 175 of them on the season. And I would not be surprised to see six to eight to 10 more on Sunday. I mean, that is what they need to do because I feel like Foles having those areas in which to place the ball and not necessarily making tight throws and taking advantage of the lesser athletes on that Patriots defense, that is the biggest thing for Philadelphia's offense, in my opinion. John Filippo is completely honest. And he was saying everything you asked him, he answered it very bluntly. And I asked him, do you feel comfortable calling the exact same playbook with Foles as you do Wentz? And obviously, as I said, you're going to call a little quicker passes. You know, get rhythm passing is very important. But he said absolutely 100% it is the same playbook. And I think that that's the biggest testament to, to Foles and what he's been able to do. And I, I, I couldn't be more impressed. I'm not going to pick the Eagles to win. We'll get to the, we'll get to the picks later. Don't want to spoil it, but I'm not going to pick the Eagles to win. Who knows who I'll pick? Um, but... I just I, I came away from the discussions today and the interviews today being real, real impressed with the Eagles offense and what they've been able to do. Quickly, Tom Brady. We talked about this yesterday. This is not a legacy game for him. He's no. the greatest quarterback of all time. I I mean, I guess this is another if he wins, it's another notch in the we overcame adversity belt, mm-hmm. but that's just that's about it. Um against the Eagles defense. We'll get to a more specific breakdown as, as far as what they can do to slow that defensive line down. But when you look at this matchup, ferocious defensive line, a secondary, which is just making plays. There's no other way to put it. What does Brady do on Sunday? It's a really good question. I feel like they can take advantage of some of those linebackers. Yep. I mean, those guys are you know, not necessarily the strongest part of that defense. I think that if you watch what 
the Patriots have done all season with their offense and personnel formations. Ton of running backs as wide receivers. I think you're going to see that a lot. I mean, you can see James White getting out of the slot, seeing if he can get a guy like Nigel Bradham in space. I mean, Bradham's probably their best linebacker, but you know, there are a couple of guys. I mean, that's we forget that among all those injuries, Jordan Hicks hasn't played much yeah. this season. I mean, and we haven't talked about because the defense is so good, but that's what the Patriots do. I mean, you're going to find the guy that is your weak point, and they're going to hammer it over and over again. And whether that's Najee Good or, or somebody like that, I mean, they're going to pick on those guys. And t- just the Patriots do such a great job of kind of identifying those matchups early. It's funny to me that there was a comment today. I forget which coach it was, but someone said, what was the mood after once went down? And they said, well, you know, we were kind of prepared for it because we already had the mood after Jason Peters went down. Yeah. We had the mood after Hicks went down. And I mean, we had the, the question a couple weeks ago about what would the final four have looked like if nobody got hurt. This Eagles team, man, <laughs> like if, if Peters were there, if Hicks were there, I mean, it's a, it's a different team. Yeah. And I think those are two areas where that could show up. Yeah. I mean, we'll see the Patriots pass rush has been much better in the playoffs than it was in the regular season. You got Flowers, you got James Harrison doing some stuff, and we'll see if they can pick on Vitae, which they, nobody hasn't, nobody has really. He's played excellent in Peters' stead. I mean, I've been totally really impressed. Agree. So, but overall with the Eagles defense against Brady, it comes down to the line. I mean, it really is that simple, and I know it shouldn't be, but it's not as if we're going back to the well and with Tom Brady, you got to rush him with four, and that's how you beat him. The Eagles defensive line is the best pass rusher in football. That is the best group of pass rushers in the NFL. So it's not just cookie cutter to say, well, you need to get after Tom Brady. This is the team that can get after Tom Brady. It's so great that you got to rush four against Tom Brady to be successful. It's just the most basic football analysis we have. Are you familiar with the Turing test? Yes, it's that's sort of like if if you can't get better than that, you're not a human football watcher. <laughs> if you can't get better, then you got to rush four against Tom Brady and be successful. That's football's Turing test. That's totally fair. But again, this team that's so relevant, even no, more know. so than it is in most situations, you know, they've done some stuff blitzing wise that I feel is really interesting. They've done some delayed blitzes that really work. They've used Jenkins on the edge a couple times. They did it against Minnesota, which was funny that they did it against the Vikings because that's a huge staple of what Harrison Smith does for for Minnesota. Absolutely. So I just think that that's relevant here because I don't know if they're going to want to send extra pressure because, you know, with those backs and maybe kind of being out in space and in the slot and whatever you run the risk. I mean, if you send pressure, especially delayed pressure and they go empty, they want to get rid of the ball quick. I just feel like that, that has some downside. I mean, that can be a disaster if you don't get there. And I just think that Fletcher Cox against Joe Thune, Brandon Graham against, you know, Adrian Waddle. Yeah, Adrian Waddle. We yeah. saw we saw him at the food court. Did you? Yeah, you saw him at the food court. Yeah, I didn't know that it was him. I would never be able to pick Adrian Waddle. Out of Ted Karras a guard? Yes, he's a center. I think he's maybe the back of center. center. Yeah, he's an interior lineman. Okay, he so looks Cam, like an interior. Cam lineman. Fleming played. You can never in the, tell in the Patriots. Cam Fleming played in the AFC Championship game. By the way, it's a backup. Marcus Cannon is hurt. Right. I mean, you have Brandon Graham on that side, and we'll see how much we'll get to this with Danny a little bit later. But we'll see how much the. Eagles can actually substitute. Right. We'll see how much Chris Long and Brandon Graham there actually is in this game yep. because if the Patriots go to huddle, if they keep those guys off the field, then you're going to have the same players out there, but those same players are pretty damn good. I was, Lane Johnson was talking today and so he was asking about Fletcher Cox and he said something that seemed obvious, but when you think about it, it's not. He's, yeah, you don't realize how, blip, how big Fletcher Cox is because when you think about some of the other great interior rushers in the league, you know, your Aaron Donalds, your Geno Atkins, whatever, they're on the smaller side. Sure. Fletcher Cox is all of 320. Yep. He is a massive human. And to have that sort of burst 
with that sort of body. I mean, I think he can dominate in this game against Thune because Thune's smaller. I think he might be 20 pounds lighter than Cox, and he struggles against strength. I, I just think that Cox could be a huge mismatch. All right, we're going to get to the coaches now. This is, uh, it's interesting to me. No one is saying that the Patriots don't have a great staff. Obviously, Josh McDaniels, jo- uh, Matt Patricia, the coach, you know, Brennan, even going down to Brennan Daly, Chad O'Shea, just a lot of great, great assistant coaches. You know but, what I was impressed by today? The second year tight ends coach, like a 30 guy, 30 year old guy, Cahill. I had sure. a conversation with him a little bit today. It's just like, these are the types, it's only a second year with the Patriots. So he's not like indoctrinated in that Patriots culture. And it's just like, this dude just, I know why they wanted him. Like yeah. it, it, it makes sense the way they hire their coaches. Yeah. But the infrastructure in Philadelphia is very, very fascinating to me. Um, mm-hmm. They built a coaching staff around Carson Wentz and getting him yeah. and the quarterback position to improve. And that's why, by the way, when Wentz goes down, they still have the infrastructure to have the good play calling on third down and in the red zone and make Nick Foles look like a low-grade version of Carson Wentz. They have three that's, quarterbacks coaches. That's the re- Yes, yeah. yes. I mean, they, they have three quarterbacks coaches with and, Peterson, Reich, and DeFilippo. Yeah, and two longtime NFL quarterbacks, by the way. Yeah, it, it was funny. When I wrote for tomorrow, it, I was kind of, not surprised, but it was striking to me how often that came up when I was asking guys about Peterson. And I think that, again, that's an overcorrection from Kelly, just in the sense of... Football guy. He played. Every single guy I talked to, Michael Kendricks today, just said, you know, he saw good and bad. And just the level of empathy he has for his players is kind of informed by that backlog of experience. And again, Reich is the same way. I mean, Reich is a backup quarterback who won playoff games. I mean, is there a better kind of person to have in the room right now with Nick Foles? Probably not. Uh, Doug Peterson is bringing in Brett Favre on Saturday night to talk. Really? Yeah. That's incredible. Are we sure? I don't know if that's a good idea. Are we sure it shouldn't just be all of the fourth and 26 guys instead of Brett Favre? Oh, my God. Fred X and Brian Dawkins who picked picked off Favre in that overtime. I saw Brian Dawkins on the field before the NFC Championship game. Mm -hmm. And when I saw Brian Dawkins in the suit that he was wearing, I should have picked the Eagles by 40. Like, what just, was the suit? It was just like a pinstripe, like electric. It wasn't electric blue, but it was a blue suit. Just had like shiny pinstripes. He had an awesome hat on. I was like, Brian Dawkins is in the building. They're winning this game. This is over. I, I wish I had seen that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scour the, the internet for that. Just, there. The, just the power of Brian Dawkins. He's one of my favorite players of all time. I love Brian Dawkins. But could Brian Dawkins just be the third safety for a team right now? Yes, 100%. Yeah. Have you I, seen I Brian Dawkins? No, I, no, 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 no. <laughs> I agree. I agree with you. I was talking to Hoyer today and he was just talking about McDaniel's play calling and just the rhythm and how hard it is to pin down the rhythm and why it's, you don't understand why it makes sense, but in the moment it makes sense, which is the mark of a great play caller. Yes. That's what Peterson is too. I mean, he really is an excellent play caller. And I feel like that has been kind of overlooked just based on what they've been able to do with Wentz. X's and O's wise, we talked about it more. You know, I think with Shanahan last year with McDaniel's, the construction and the overall Nuts and bolts of the offense is something we discuss, but it's not necessarily the biggest conversation because they're such good play callers. With the Eagles, it's been the opposite of that. We've talked more about the X's and O's than how Doug Peterson has managed to call a game. And I just think that he does such a great job of getting his guys in the right mood with the plays he calls, if that makes sense. Yeah. Just the right calls for the right moments. And just watch him call plays this week. Watch how they're structured. Watch why he does something in certain moments. I just think that he's an incredibly intuitive play caller in a way that he does not get enough credit for. And him and McDaniels this year, 
I mean, those two guys going back and forth, that's fascinating. It's like McDaniels and Shanahan last year. I mean, it's an excellent offensive play calling game. Is one of them just going to completely short circuit like Shanahan last year? Get the fuck out of here. He, he, he called an incredible game oh and, then, and then ran the ball once. You're the you're the other Shanahan son. I, you know what? I, I am Kyle, I, I am Kyle Shanahan's large adult son. I am fine with that. All right. Can we move on? Let's do it. Let's do go. You have, do you have more things to say about Kyle Shanahan? No, I just think that it's, again, for the second year in a row, you just have two not like lights out offensive play callers that will be in this game. And I just think that it's going to show up. I mean, they're going to be some moments on Sunday where I just sit there and go, God damn, that was cool. And, and I like that. I, I like no going into a game, knowing that every single play and why it's being called is going to be worth discussing and thinking about. All right. I'm going to switch this up. It's supposed to be my hottest Super Bowl take. I actually kind of believe, but I'm actually going to go with the other feature I have on the typical regular show on the Ring NFL show. And it's craziest headline. Yeah. I don't know if there's ever been a bigger route in this category than the Philadelphia. I heard about it. it. Coming over the top. (laughs) Coming off the top rope. Off the top rope. Um, on Wednesday. Now, earlier today, I was able to read this, but uh, it says I've reached my article limit, which is... Uh, <laughs> you which don't is, pay for the Philadelphia I Inquirer? I don't. I, no, I, I, I want to be clear about it. And this is completely serious. The Philadelphia Inquirer does great work, and they have great they beat writers, do. and we're not... We are not shading any of those guys because they're phenomenal. By the you way, should pay to read them. I 100% agree. And with the, with the Patriots kind of writers, yeah. they're just people we're used to seeing. Because sure. they're in the playoffs every year and we see them all the time. The Eagles guys, I don't. It's really impressive how robust and great their coverage is of that team. The guys at the Inquirer, Zach Berman and Jack, Jeff McClain do a great job. Mike Sielski. The, yep, Mike Sielski. The fact that Shil Kapadia is just... Shil Kapadia rules. Shil Kapadia is excellent. Shil I mean, Kapadia I mean, the rules. Fact that, and Bo Wolf does a good job for the Athletic, too. Everyone I mean, they, does a great job. They have, I mean, it's, it is really impressive. Like I, just, I learned so much about that team just because they have so many good reports. When I was... In the Eagles practice in November, mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant came and spoke to the team. Yeah. And I saw the Eagles reporters arguing over whether or not Kobe Bryant was a Philly guy. And then by extension, <laughs> who is a Philly guy? And they were just uh, really yelling funny. at each other. That's good. And then one of the TV guys was like, well, Kobe's from Philadelphia. And one of the Eagles reporters goes, excuse me, excuse me, are you from Philadelphia? And the guy was like, no. And he says, then you stay out of this. <laughs> oh, it was, that's fantastic. It was uh, maybe, it was a top 10 media moment for me in the year 2017. So let's get back to the Philadelphia okay. Inquirer. So the Philadelphia Inquirer, Bob Brookover, has decided that today was the day to go Aaron <laughs> Hernandez. So I was at the press conference. <laughs> I was at the press conference um, that Today he asked the these questions. Oh, no. So Bob went to the NBC event yesterday. I don't know, Bob. But he went to the NBC event yesterday and he asked Rodney Harrison and Tony Dungy whether or not the Patriots. He asked one question, then a follow-up. Um, and I was trying to get in a question about you know things that weren't Aaron Hernandez. So this was frustrating to me. But he asked one question in a follow-up, and uh, it was about whether or not the Patriots should just talk about Aaron Hernandez more, which is odd to me because I don't know exactly how that would be packaged. Would Belichick come to the podium and just, before he talks about special teams for an hour, just say, guys, 
just want to reiterate, I'm really sorry about everything. Like, what what is the package there? It was it's it was kind of interesting because I mean, interesting might not be the right word, but it was I thought it was noteworthy. I, I am writing a story this week that you kind of have to mention in Hernandez. I mean, he comes into play when you think about the history of the Patriots' offense. Yeah, and I talked with to a couple people about him, and it's just. It's, it's tragic and it's a very sad thing and it's kind of awkward at times, but it is a part of their history, just not to this extent that Bob seemed to make it out to be. I don't think we need to be talking about him this week. Aaron Hernandez? Yeah. No, I don't know if this is the week necessarily. But we're talking about him now. We're talking about him now because Bob talked about him. Let's be clear. Do you That's know? Fucking great the, column. The, the, the column is not just we should talk about Aaron Hernandez more. The column is. The I Patriots the have wrought this with yeah, Aaron no, Hernandez. Yeah, no, no, no. The Patriots, it's, is it no coincidence that this happened? It's unbelievable. I mean, it's just, it's re- it is a big swing. And I just. They changed the headline. It's now lives more important than wins, which doesn't even make that's sense. No, that is no less like inflammatory or ridiculous. I'm not totally on board with this column. No. It's not great. <laughs> it's not a great column. Thanks, buddy. I'm glad you made that clear. It's not a great column. Okay, we've covered this game backwards and forwards and, and looked at some Aaron Hernandez coverage. Robert, what are we missing? We talked about this very briefly earlier in the week, and I wanted to kind of save it for this podcast. Yep. And it's very, super nitty-gritty line play stuff, but I do think it's going to come up in a big way in this game. So the Eagles offensive line, I wrote about this on Monday. It's the most mobile offensive line in football. They do such a great job of getting those guys on the move. I mean, Lane Johnson is the most athletic lineman in, in the league and probably the most athletic lineman prospect to come out in about 10 years. I mean, the guy had a 99th percentile broad jump, ran a 47240. He has a like, something disgusting vertical. I mean, he's incredibly mobile and athletic. And they use him and Kelsey, who had the, sec- the best 20 yard shuttle time in the history of the combine. When of the twenty years, yeah. the twenty years of that the mock draft will has info on Kelsey at the best twenty yard shuttle time. He no Hubsy weighs two eighty, but very few centers move like that. Brooks weighs three forty five, and he ran a sub five oh forty. That shouldn't even be possible. No. So you see all that, and I think the main thing they like to do to use those guys is they trap a lot and they pull a lot and they pull Kelsey a ton. Yeah, I was talking to Jeff Schwartz about this. Last week, we were discussing how Alex Mack can pull, too. He's extremely athletic. They did it some in, in, in uh, Cleveland. But the Falcons don't like him to do that because it leaves them vulnerable if they get penetration. They run a ton of zone, and they just kind of let him reach guys. Yeah. But they don't do that with Kelsey. They've, they seek out, the Eagles do, opportunities for Kelsey to pull because he's just so good at it, and it gives them such advantageous angles elsewhere. Yeah. So if he pulls around Wisniewski or around Brooks on a certain play, Brooks then gets a down block with an angle, which allows him to get Kelsey to get on the second level very quickly. It's really a big part of what they do because it ensures that they're going to get guys onto linebackers. They do that better than any offense in the league schematically to me at this point. So what the Patriots are likely going to do to combat that is line up a nose tackle directly on Kelsey which is going to create a bubble on one side of the line, but it's not going to let him pull. So you're kind of getting out in front of the problem before it even starts, but in a way you're creating your own problem because with one guy over Kelsey, you again, you create a bubble that the Eagles can then run toward. Yep. Okay, so you create this bubble. You are trying to trick them into coming that way. Then you know that that's where they want to go. So the little cat and mouse game with how they play Kelsey and how the Eagles respond in the run game, I think is going to be really important because 
the Eagles running the ball in this game is really important. They can run it from shotgun, and I feel like if you spread the Patriots out and run, you can gash them. And that's not what the Jags are, which was part of the problem. But it, the Eagles are that, and I think that they'll be able to move the ball on the ground. It'll just depend on what Kelsey can do and how they kind of combat him. Yeah, I'm intrigued. You talked about the alignment of of the Patriots' defensive line. I'm just intrigued with the personnel they have. Allen Branch is basically out to lunch. Uh, he will probably not play. He's been a healthy scratch for the last couple of games. They have 320-pound Malcolm Brown. That's the answer. Really probably. talented. Yep. Um, First round pick. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Who's played well this year too? Yeah, for them. exactly. He's come exactly. along. Uh, Lawrence guys in the hunt. Ricky Jean Francois, who uh, is just. I mean, he, he joined the team last month, and there's just not. He's a, a guy. He's a guy. Yep. He's a, a guy. He's been guy. on a lot of teams. He's a good guy. Never talked to him, but he's been on a lot of teams. He's bounced around the league. So I think that you know that we talked about this a little bit. The fact that the Eagles' offensive line is so athletic, the Patriots' linebackers are not. You know, Roberts is a downhill player. He's yeah. not very good in space. Van Noy is the exact same way. Van Noy is bad instinctually, so it makes him play slow, even though he's got a little bit of twitch. But he also ran a 4 7 So I think that they have the ability personnel-wise to take advantage of that group athletically. It's just a matter of what the Patriots do to kind of take that away. That's going to be one of the things I watch for the most. This is a, a football nerd game. Yeah, it really is. That's why I'm excited. I, I'm, I mean, there's, there's 50 game within the games here. That I'm excited What's your about. favorite one? Um, I I'm really I I want to see how Belichick figures out RPO defense. Yep, I totally agree. What are they going to do? Because again, that's where Roberts and Van Noy might may show yeah. up, just because they're going to try to manipulate those guys and throw where they're not and make them move side. I to would side. not be surprised if Bill Belichick is on the phone for more than an hour with Nick Saban, because yeah. I talked to a, a lot of guys in the preseason about that. And there were a lot of guys, a lot of coordinators and a lot of players. There were a couple position coaches who said, you know, one of the best teaching tools for the, S- for the RPO is that we have a bunch of guys from the SEC and we have a bunch of guys from Ohio State who can just say, hey, do this. Yeah. And if you're trying, I, oh, look, obviously Belichick has seen RPOs this year. But if you're giving him two weeks to prepare, my guess is he pulls out all the stops with RPO defense because that is, I mean, if they can, if they're unstoppable in the RPOs, they win this game. That's it for the Eagles. If Nick Foles torches the Patriots, it's over. What, uh, what do you think the Patriots are going to do in terms of secondary personnel? Would you think they would put Harmon, uh, McCourty, and Chung all in the field together? Without a doubt. Yeah, I, could, I think that's probably that. the move. They there. can do that. And you, I think because of their, you need, Chung is very good against tight ends. We know this. Ertz is, in my opinion, the most devastating receiver on the Eagles. That's a matchup I'm going to be looking for. And I think if they try to use Chung in space a little bit more as a linebacker in order to combat some of those plays just because he's a better coverage player, so those RPOs where they try to get Ertz on those angle routes and stuff, I'll be really curious to see if they do that. That makes that would make sense to me. John DeFilippo said that Zach Ertz uses leverage, especially on third down, better than any player he has ever seen. And I think that that matchup there where Ertz just has the ability to catch the ball, just catch the ball in traffic, catch the get open. Uh, you know, he's, he, he gets open when he's, when, when the ball gets thrown to a specific spot. And so that the, the Patriots secondary, which has a lot of individual talent against that Philadelphia skill position set is, is really, really intriguing to me. Yeah. Harmon 20 plays against Jacksonville, which would make sense just because they play a little bit heavier. Sure. But 44 the week before that, I mean, I think that 
He's a guy that gets a ton of run, and I, they're going to put those three guys out there at the same time. Ertz is a guy that I've really come to appreciate in recent weeks. I mean, that game he had against Harrison Smith, it's hard not to, but leverage is exactly right. He's so good at understanding. And, and as a tight end, as an inside player, period, the most important thing you can understand is, again, where those open spots are going to be on the field based on where they're trying to push you. He does an excellent job with that. But again, against the Pats, deciphering coverage is really difficult. I mean, they do such a good job disguising everything else. It switches mid-play. So I, that's the guy I think they're going to try to take away first in the passing game. But we'll see. Again, it's a football nerd game, man. There's a lot of stuff to be watching for. Coming up, Danny Kelly will be here with his X-Factors for Super Bowl 52. Plus, we'll make some prop bets, including the all-important how many times will Giselle be shown during the game broadcast. It's the Ringer NFL show on the Ringer Podcast Network. So Danny is joining us to hash out some prop bets, and I'm guessing he and many of our listeners will be laying some cash down on these at my bookie. I mean, who isn't betting how many times you'll see Giselle on the broadcast? Or my favorite prop bet each year, the national anthem length over under. What do you got? Who's singing the national anthem? Pink? I don't know. She seems pretty succinct. I'll go under. Simply watching the Super Bowl isn't nearly enough stimulation at this point, so people should really log on to my bookie and make this thing even more interesting. We've been pumping this all season. MyBookie has the fastest payouts, the most betting options, and the best mobile site to bet from wherever you're watching the big game. They even do live in-game betting, so you can bet after the game starts. And right now, MyBookie is giving away up to $1,000 to every new player, plus a 50% bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code RINGERNFL when making your account. That's right. If you join with $100, you have $150 to play with. That's not bad. So visit mybookie.ag today. Play, win, get paid. Robert, as you know, I'm a professional jacket shopper. Semi-professional, I guess. However, it's not the same when it comes to dress shirts. It's tough to find that perfect fit. I hear you, man. You should be checking out Proper Cloth. You can actually create your own custom shirt size by answering 10 simple questions. Yeah, Proper Cloth seems cool, and you can choose from over 20 collar styles, 10 cuff styles, and 500 fabric styles from classic to business. I didn't even know there were 20 collar styles or 500 fabric styles. That's so many options. I knew. I'm sure you didn't know. That's because you're a semi-professional jacket <laughs> shopper. Yeah, and the team at Proper Cloth works with the best fabric producers from around the world and only buys fabrics that meet their high-quality expectations. They probably even meet your high-quality expectations, bud. Each one of their shirts goes through extensive quality control testing, so you're getting the absolute best quality and craftsmanship. Proper Cloth guarantees a perfect fit, meaning if somehow your shirt doesn't fit perfectly, they will remake it for free. This actually happened to me. It was a very easy process. These shirts are made completely custom for you, starting at just $80. Stop wearing shirts that don't fit. Start looking your best with a custom-fitted shirt. Go to propercloth.com slash NFL today. Enter gift code NFL to save $20 on your first shirt. Go do it. You won't regret it. All right. We now welcome in our X Factor expert, Danny Kelly. Danny, how are you? Danny's been so many experts this year. He's been an expert <laughs> in like 10 different things. He's a very well-rounded man. Guys, I wear a lot of hats for the for the ringer.com. So what can I say? And just period. You wear a lot of hats, period. I'm not sure Mariner's how many times hats. I've ever seen you without a hat on. If Kevin's a jacket guy, I guess I'm kind of a hat guy. That's sort of my that's my shtick, I guess. You you have a, a beautiful collection of Seattle Mariners hats. Yeah. There's like, and there's like maybe like 12 of them or something like that. So yeah, I'm Jesus. good to go. Wow. Okay. <laughs> as much as I, we want to continue down that path, we're going to talk podcast. about the Super Bowl. <laughs> Danny, hit us with your X factors for each team. 
for the Eagles, let's start with the Eagles. Um, the question I'm going to have and and what I'm going to be watching really closely in this game is how they play on defense in terms of are they going to come out and base, nickel, uh, dime? You know, Basically, how are they going to respond to what the Patriots do on offense? Because as we've seen over the last couple of weeks and the whole season, really, the Patriots like to really vary up their formations and personnel. You know, they, they put Devlin and a fullback and tight ends out there and, and kind of try and dictate to the defense what the defense plays. And so uh, I think a yep. good X factor to watch and for me is how the Eagles respond to that. Because I think, just generally speaking, they're probably better off if they play nickel. I think they're going to try and stop the run and do what they can do in nickel, regardless of what the Patriots do on offense in terms of if they trot out, you know, like their fullback and, he- quote, heavy sets or whatever, like... I think if they can stop the run in their nickel and, and kind of just play in that nickel nickel package, I think it's going to be the best for them. So for me, I'm going to be watching kind of how that goes. Um, you know, I think the the matchups, there's going to be a million matchups to watch. But for me, if they can have that nickel package out there, I think it's going to be the best for them. So the X factor to me is if they can play the run when they're in nickel. I totally agree. Because I think that, you know, even when they're in those heavy formations, we've seen them go no huddle all the time where they'll put Devlin out to the right. Right. Put Lewis in the slot and then suddenly it becomes empty. And if you have a linebacker or a safety that you've got to put on one of those guys, then you're in trouble. I mean, that's the thing. You kind of you obviously you'll throw a linebacker out on the Devlin. But what they, the Patriots do when they do that, if you throw a linebacker out on the Devlin, you know, it's man. And if you right. keep a corner on him, you know, it's zone. I mean, it's just an incredible way of dictating formations and dictating coverages, everything else. So I think if they go nickel and they keep Robinson on the field as opposed to, I don't know. LRB maybe Najee good. That's a good thing. I mean that that's exactly the 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 guys that the Eagles want out there. So I feel like that's the best approach. And the question then is, can you stop the run? If that right. if the Patriots line up and they're just going to go I formation or offset and just kind of line up and try to beat you up, is your nickel package robust enough to slow that right. down? And that may be one of the things that determines the game. I 100% agree. Yeah, and I mean you brought up a great point is like Patrick Robinson, one of their best coverage defenders, too. And, and if, if they're in base, then he's coming off the field and they don't want that. I mean, when you play the Patriots, you have to cover. And we saw that last week against the Jaguars or two weeks ago, I guess. And, you know, they kind of took advantage of some of the Jaguars' weak leaks in, in terms of their coverage guys. So you want every guy, every, all your best coverage guys out there. And so to me, that's, that's a big key. Um, and then flipping it over to the Patriots, I think, it's kind of a similar concept too, in the sense of how much are they going to dictate what the defense does in terms of their personnel and, and, and all that. And I want to see how much the Patriots go no huddle and, and up tempo. And and basically, I think that's a big X factor because if they go a lot of no huddle and speed things up and really you know keep their keep the pedal to the metal in terms of their offense, then it can prevent the Eagles from substituting, which to me is. is sort of mitigating or even, you know, taking uh, the Eagles' biggest advantage, which is their ability to kind of rotate guys on the defensive line, it, it takes it away from them. So if they can run that no huddle with a lot of success and, and kind of keep at it and, and play it the whole game, I think that could be huge for them. You know, it's interesting to me, Danny, because I did a story the other day about the conditioning in New England and, and the way they run their program. Yeah, And the biggest thing that, 
I took away from it is they have the ability to, even though they don't run as much no huddle as they did in 2012 or, you know, those earlier eras, uh, 2011, even 2007, they have the ability because Bill Belichick is so interested in conditioning that he basically runs no huddle practices. And so they have the capacity to do it in ways we don't think possible because we haven't, I mean, the 2012 team was like 10 plays short of running the most plays from scrimmage in the history of football. And wow. they have kind of decreased the, the the no huddle use every year since then. And so I think they can really take advantage of the fact that the Eagles strength is a defensive line by just tiring the hell out of them because they are in superior condition. They can do whatever they want as far as tempo. That's what happened with Jacksonville. Yeah. I mean, the Jags got tired and the Jags aren't as deep. So they're not running no huddle the whole game. No. I mean, there's a, but there's a good chance that they run it enough to kind of take away what the Eagles do best. And that's being able to put those guys in. And also, if you go no huddle out of those heavy formations, then you're doing two things. One, what we talked about, where you're kind of forcing them to show their hand and coverage. And the other thing is, if if they do play base, Danny, and you go no huddle, one, you're going to tire those guys out. And two, your base defense just has fewer looks. You're doing fewer things out of them. You only have so many calls out of your base defense. It's much less flexible than your nickel package is. So you have a simpler defense, a slower defense, and a more tired defense if you choose to go no huddle with Devlin on the field. And I just think that all three of those things, us, like you said, Danny, they mitigate the strengths of this Eagles team. Yeah, and it's like you do not want Tom Brady to be facing a simplified defense, right? Like he is exactly probably the best quarterback in the NFL at diagnosing and, and exploiting the one weakness that he finds in a defense. And so if you're running simplified schemes, which you have to do usually when, when teams are running no huddle up tempo stuff, uh, that's that's a recipe for disaster against a really good quarterback, quarterback like Tom Brady. So to me, that's the one thing I'm going to be watching for the Patriots. You know, are they going to go no huddle? How much are they going to do it? And is, is that something that, like like Kevin was saying, is that something that they can do with that conditioning? It seems like it really, you know, kind of plays up to their strengths. All right, Danny, we understand you're all over these prop bets. I'm told you're laying down all of your hard and runner salary on some of these. What are you feeling good about? Give us five. All right, here's, here's my five prop bets for you guys. Number one, we'll start out with stuff that happens kind of before the game. One of these I saw was what color will Bill Belichick's shirt be at kickoff? And here, here are the four options right now. Blue, which you get four to five odds. Gray, three to two odds. Red, 15 to two odds. And then white, 15 to two odds. Keep in mind, the last two years, Belichick has worn a blue shirt. So I don't know if he's, you know, superstitious or whatever. The last two Super Bowls, I should say. So that's kind of why the blue is the favorite. For me, I'm going big on this one. I'm going white. I want that. I want the bigger odds. So I'm going white. And he just seems like a white t-shirt kind of guy, I guess. I don't know. When was the last time? I'm, I'm looking here. A lot of gray, a lot of blue. Gray would be my, I guess. That's Actually, what I gray. Go with. You get better yeah. odds. He's done the gray before. I think I'd go with gray. It's a lot of Belichick and a tank top That's shirts. Horrifying. <laughs> tank top. Danny, what's next? All right. So the next one is it's simply what will be higher. You got two options the temperature at kickoff in Minnesota, which you get minus 150, and then. Mm-hmm. Total points. So temperature at kickoff or total points scored in the first quarter. And the odds for that are plus 110. So I'm going total point. I think that there, I think the first quarter could Me be too. kind of high scoring. So I think a lot of people f- feel like it might be kind of a defensive slug, slug fest or whatever, but 
I'm going, I'm going total points scored will be higher. Even if it's 10 points, there's a chance it gets into single digits before kickoff. Sunday's supposed to be really cold. Yeah, what is it? It's supposed to be like negative or eight or something like that or whatever? I'm looking it up right now. I thought I, it was supposed to be like 14 or 15 on Sunday. I bought a hooded jacket today. Wow. Hooded jackets. Huge moves from you. Not a light jacket, though. <laughs> it's sure. a very heavy jacket that I tried to wear around the mall for a bit, and I got sweaty after about three seconds. I'm yeah, not a sweaty person. That's the problem is getting to the mall is very cold, but when you're in the mall, it's very warm. So I get very sweaty as well. Classic conundrum. So 10 degrees Sunday. 10 degrees? Is, is, the, uh, is the forecast. I'm taking the points. So what are you guys taking on that? Points. Oh, points. Absolutely. I think it's good. The 10 points in the first quarter makes sense. And if it's going right. to be five degrees even by kickoff, the high is Sunday. The low is negative one. If it's negative one, you win. If you, if you, if you take the temperature, just let it you know. <laughs> All right. So the third one is how many times will Giselle Bundachin be shown on TV during the live broadcast? The over, the over under on, on the broadcast is 1.5. So under I'm taking the over. Why are you, why are you going under? I just think that we're, that we're how many years into this? Like how many more Giselle shots mean during the Super Bowl? The only way that would happen is if Brady got hurt. Yeah. Or if he just really flopped. Yeah. Or if he was Because remember Giselle publicly, well, not publicly, but in a tunnel that was then filmed, uh, ripped the Patriots receivers after the Welker, last Giants game. <laughs> well, she didn't specify. That, didn't she not? I thought she just said, my husband can't throw and catch the ball. Oh, I think she was. That was a. I don't shot think she said though. specifically Wes Welker, Welker, number eighty-three. I'm going under. What's your fourth one, Danny? <laughs> All right, so this one's a little longer. Uh, so get ready here. The, the odds to make a guest appearance during the halftime show, and there's a bunch. So I'm going to read them off to you. Ti two to one, Jay Z five to one, Beyonce six to one, Jimmy Fallon six to one, Timbaland seven to one, Nelly Furtado eight to one. Rihanna, 15 to 1. Drake, 20 to 1. Britney Spears, 22 to 1. That would be an interesting one. Uh, Snoop Dogg, 25 yeah, to 1. Ciara, 25 to 1. Madonna, 40 to 1. InSync, 100 to 1. And Janet Jackson, 200 to 1. Why is InSync so. 100 to 1 seems high. They've said they're not doing that. But, but they did this. I mean, like Ronda Rousey said she wasn't going to Royal Rumble and then she showed up. People say a lot one of for NSYNC seems high. I would definitely put the hundred to one on NSYNC just because it'd be fun if you hit that. It'd oh, hell be yeah. fun to root for. I don't <laughs> care about any. I would not. Ones. Just to be clear, I, I wouldn't. Even if I won a lot of money, I would not be that excited about NSYNC. No, I don't care. No, I, I would. No, no, I that's would. not what I mean. You said it'd be fun to root for. <laughs> I guess so. It's mostly because it's hundred to one. That's what I had. That's what I got my money on. I, I'm on NSYNC right now. What's been your favorite halftime show that you've seen live? Katy Perry was really good. Coldplay was garbage. I don't remember Coldplay. That was at in San all. Francisco. It was awful. Why is Jimmy Fallon six to one? I don't know. Who knows? It's NBC. Maybe that's the reasoning. <laughs> yeah. What's your last one, Danny? All right. So the last one is who are who will the Super Bowl MVP mention first in his speech? And so this is these are the options: teammates. That's two plus two hundred. God four hundred. The city plus five hundred. The coach, 700, owner, 1,000, and then family, the distant, 2,000, plus 2,000. So, and then the, the, the did not mention any of the above is, is 190. Ooh, the field. I'm going with family. Um, you're on family. That's pretty good odds for family. It depends on who wins. I think Say it's Brady. 
<laughs> okay. Thanks. Okay, so it's Brady. So that narrows it down for us. I'm going to no, say no, no. teammates. I said, say, say it's Brady. Can you oh, see okay. him mentioning his family because they're just pissed he keeps wanting to play forever? Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a good <laughs> thought, Danny. You're gaming the system here. You should use your powers for good instead of whatever this is. <laughs> yeah, that's fine with me. I mean, I think teammates is an easy one, but if it's Brady, yeah. I, think I could see family. That makes sense. All right. Well, that's all, all I right. got. Great. Right. I love it. Robert and Danny, it's time for the biggest bet of all. Who wins the actual game? DK, Danner, start us off. Well, I might have given it away a little bit there with the Brady thing, but I got the Patriots in this one. I I, I do think it's going to be a really good game. I think it's going to be closer than maybe some people think it will be, but and you know could have sort of that that back and forth element. But I, I'm going with the Patriots. I mean, I just the way that they've played this year all year. I mean, they've got Brady. I just think. Man, it's just going to be really tough to beat them. And plus, I just spent the last like three days just watching their offense and, and being really, really impressed. So um, I don't know that the Eagles defense is really good, but I just right now I just can't I can't bet against Brady and McDaniels and Belichick, obviously. I just want to say one thing. I uh, Twitter searched in sync to see if there's any buzz about this. Yeah. <laughs> and all I found was people still arguing in sync first backstreet boys. It's a forever like, argument. Like 13 <laughs> minutes ago. Argument. Like 13 minutes ago. <laughs> That's incredible. The internet and and the I, I don't mean one person. A lot of people. Uh, I, I, many people. Are they arguing with each other or are these separate arguments? They seem like many different arguments. <laughs> I'm just glad the more things change, the more they stay the same. I'm going with the Eagles. All right. It's because I'm just, it's just, why not? I mean, I, I would like to root for the Eagles. I think it's a fun team. The roster is really good. I do think they have enough strengths. I feel like the Foles kind of kind of found something against that Minnesota I team. I, I just yeah. feel like they have enough. They have enough. There's a version of this Eagles team that absolutely can knock off the Patriots. And I don't think that version is, Super hard to find. I think you can piece it together. I'm picking Philly. It's just more fun that way. Uh, I would like to pick Philly, but I think that the Patriots win this one in the fourth quarter. I think that the Eagles have a chance to win it with eight minutes to go, and then the Patriots score with four minutes to go, and we move on. (laughs) That sounds right. Unfortunately, that sounds right. Danny, that's all for us. Consider yourself prepared for Super Bowl 52. As always, thanks for listening to the Ringer NFL show on the Ringer Podcast Network. This episode of the Ring NFL Show has been brought to you by Proper Cloth, the leader in men's custom shirts. At propercloth.com, ordering custom shirts has never been easier. Create your custom shirt size by answering 10 easy questions. Shirts start from $80 and are delivered in just two weeks. For premium quality and perfect fitting shirts, visit propercloth.com and use gift code NFL to get $20 off your first custom shirt today.